Welcome to Tent Talk, the podcast with Nancy McCready, where we talk about life under the big tent of God's presence and the provoking process of discipleship. Here we go. Hey everybody, welcome to Tent Talk. This is Nancy McCready. On today's episode, I'm going to encourage you to really look at what is your rhythm of reading and the rhythm of relationships in your life. We've got to be reading things that provoke us and walking with people who really want to promote in us our obedience to the Lord. So take a listen and I hope it encourages you to keep moving forward with God. Hey everybody, I'm so glad we're back together today. I want to talk today about the rhythm of reading and the rhythm of relationships in your life. This is such a key, integral, pivotal part of our real life of discipleship that I want to emphasize it today. So rhythm of reading When I think about what are some of the aspects living under the big tent of God's presence, what is it that has uh, maybe impacted me uh, very strongly over all of these years of walking with Him, living with Him, and living with others in this life that has truly provoked me maybe more than anything else is the rhythm of reading. What have I been reading all of these years? What are you reading? I could talk about, you know, listening and you know, what you're putting in, what music you listen to, all that. But I think reading is probably one of the most provoking things that has happened to me. And because I'm in this season of rewrites of my own book, and I so want it to be something that people could read that will provoke them, that will take them to a new place with God, that it's put me in mind of all that I have read over the years. And of course, also, the rhythm of relationships is those who have been used as iron in my life to sharpen me. So these two things, what have I been reading and who have I been relating with? So as I'm sitting here in my office recording this uh, for the TED Talk podcast, I'm looking over at the bench in my office and I'm looking at all the books that recently I've gone into storage and pulled out and all those that were already here. But I had a few that had been in storage for a little bit of time because of my shift from going from my office um, that I had at the church for years and years and years. And and as I've shifted out of that full-time work as the executive pastor at our church to now being in full-time uh, oversight of Nancy McCready Ministries, where I'm going out working with multiple pastors, multiple leaders in different cultures and nations and and uh, all of that. So, so I, you know, I had some of these things in storage, and I've pulled them out again, and they're just igniting me. And so as I look around, I'm looking at uh, The Normal Christian Life by Watchman Nee. I have been reading this book for 30-some-odd years. 
most all the books I'm going to mention to you, I have been reading no less than probably uh, 20 to 25 years of the last 33 or so years that I've walked with the Lord. And so, you know, sure, I've read a lot of other books. I've read things that are newer, written in the last few years, leadership books, all of that, but nothing has dealt with me and kept me feeding the foundation of Christ as my life uh, more than the books that I'm getting ready to tell you. And one of the key aspects of those books is that they all take me into the book, the Bible. I don't want to read anything or encourage others to read anything that is fluff, that just keeps you in like these uh, you know, motivational things, and they just they just encourage you on how you can build yourself and be a self-made person. I really love to read books that actually weren't written as books. They were sermons. They were the musings, they would say, of, of men uh, and women that have gone before us. They are those who have finished their race. They are those who have done what God gave them to do, and they were to Him who they were meant to be in their generation. So, The Normal Christian Life by Watchman Nee. This is a, um, a compiling of his sermons, and it talks about the fact that we don't really want to live, do we, the average Christian life? I don't know that that's anything to write about, but the normal Christian life, like what was God's norm? Well, it was Christ himself and how he lived. And then by what means shall we live the normal Christian life? So I have used this book not only in my own life, like I've got like four copies of it. Some of them are held together by rubber bands because I've had to read them, not because I'm so studious, not because I seek to be a theologian, but because I needed it because of the depth of the work that God was having to do in me, that which I required of him, that which was necessary just by the fact that I was going to live and be his. And and then I will say to you that oftentimes because of the depth of my own disobedience to him, the depth of my own wanderings off from the norm, and I got into my own good Christian living, and what I required of him to have to do in me, to bring me back to him and what he meant for my life to be, I cannot say enough about the normal Christian life written by Watchman Nee. And so I highly encourage you, if you have never read it, I encourage you to get it and to begin to chew slowly uh, that which it will encourage you to take hold of. The, the meal that God prepares for you in a book like The Normal Christian Life by Watchman Nee requires uh, getting up to the table and start to eat the meat of the Word. So initially it might choke you a little... <laughs> You know, you might find yourself choking a little bit on it because you're like, what? I never read anything like this. I don't get it, you know, and you'll set it aside. Well, if you set it aside, then make sure you go back to it later, all right? But remember this, it was written as sermons to provoke and to train 
the people of God to live as who they are to him and to their generation. These are not fluff books. These are not books that give you a false sense of security. These are books that provoke you deeper in the true gospel of Jesus Christ. So in the normal Christian life, the first chapter is on the blood. And the blood first was to satisfy God himself. And if it satisfies God, then it shall satisfy me. And then it shall definitely bust a move on the devil. That's just the first chapter. I highly recommend it. I don't know that I've discipled or mentored anybody in the last um, 20 plus years that I haven't assigned this book to them on some level uh, to really begin to ground them in the love of God, in the finished work of Jesus. One of the greatest statements in the book is that we continue working because we have not seen the work of Jesus Christ. So I would highly encourage you to um, order uh, The Normal Christian Life by Watchman Nee. Another book that has been powerfully used, and look, it is so shredded uh, that I really have several rubber bands and paper clips holding it together, is a small book uh, that is called The Green Letters by Miles Stanford. And they're called The Green Letters because they're letters about the life. And I love it because it's about the real growth process that happens that once you are born again and as you um, continue with him and as you keep going with him, all of the phases of growth that we live through, because if you don't know these, you could just think you've lost your mind, that you are crazy, and you will keep trying to go back to an earlier phase Um, and try to rekindle something that you had with the Lord in your very first days rather than staying with him and letting him lead you into uh, deeper depths of knowing him and the um, maturing love and life of the Lord uh, in you and the life and love that you'll have with him. If I hadn't been given this book, I was given this book actually the first year that I was born again and was having unbelievable measures of growth and the zeal of God and all of that. Because remember, I went from being a crazy drunk prodigal and within like a year I was on um, uh, a staff at a large church and it, it, it was, you know, it was a great time. But what was eventually going to end up happening was I let my public ministry start to stunt my growth in private. So I was very real, very sincere, but something began to happen because um, the public life of ministry, um, I, I spent a lot of my private time was spent with the Lord trying to get stuff for other people. I started bypassing my own private life with him, and eventually it led me into quite a dark place of selfish ambition in the ministry. And the book that literally uh, God used during that time uh, was this little book, The Green Letters. And so I would strongly encourage you to read it. I, I know there's a particular page in there that literally has the lipstick print of a kiss from me 
because had I not, I literally kissed the page of that book. Now remember, this is a part of our rhythm of reading, is that it's a rhythm. There's a cadence of, of truth that you keep revisiting over the years because you go deeper and deeper with him and it makes more and more sense to you as you keep going. Because you might read something in one season and be like, oh, that's special, that's nice. You set it down, it doesn't have any particular meaning to you, except that it might tickle your intellect. And then say in another season you read it and it saves your life. Because you think if I had not read this today and understood this mile marker along the highway of traveling with the Lord, I, I wouldn't have thought I was even going to be able to make it. And on this particular day, uh, in one of those pages in the book, The Green Letters, which I had read many times that day, in that season, in that particular moment of darkness, it was light to me, and I literally kissed the page because I uh, did not know if I would make it. And when I read that when you're in deep struggle and experiencing deep failure, that you are being lovingly handled by your Lord himself, I thought, oh my God, I am saved. I am still saved. Thank you, God. I kissed the page because it spoke to me something that did not bring me fluff encouragement. It did not stroke my head and tell me, oh, you know, you're just a poor sinner so just don't let it bother you. No, what it did was it reminded me of the depth of his love for me in my struggle and in experiencing deep failure to be able to live this Christian life on my own. And it reminded me that his dealings with me were his dealings with me as with a son. His dealings with me were the dealings of one who knows what I'm living through and is setting me free from self, because I'm sure it was in the chapter on self, and delivering me unto him. For more information on Nancy, please visit nancymccrady.com or follow her on social media at nbmccrady. So let me tell you what, when I talk about the rhythm of reading, I am not talking about my intellectual pursuit of a theological degree. I'm talking about being in the school of Christ himself and the books that you read from people that have gone before you and they are telling you truth from a season that maybe you're walking into that they already lived through and they've turned around to feed you the bread of life so that you can put one foot in front of the other rather than thinking somehow I've fallen off the cliff and I can never get back, or a false sense of uh, comfort and security that keeps me living in sin and self. So this rhythm of reading is so powerful. So, The Normal Christian Life by Watchman Nee, The Green Letters by Miles Stanford. Another one that uh, literally transformed me and probably I would have to say that the ultimate intention by Deverne Fromke uh, probably has had the greatest influence on me since this very dark and difficult season of my life where um, I became 
very aware of the missing link of sonship within my life. I had walked with the Lord for eight to nine years. Um, God had done powerful, mighty things in my life. I had become born again in those eight or nine years. I began to experience sobriety uh, because I had been an alcoholic, a drunk. Let's just call it what it is. I was a total drunk and had used alcohol to comfort myself. So my real addiction was to myself and what I thought comfort would be to me. And I chose the alcohol. But during that first year of walking with the Lord, he delivered me from self and the alcohol that self had chosen. I was able to walk in forgiveness, true biblical justice, towards myself and towards my dad for almost 10 years of sexual abuse. So can I just say that that first year of salvation was wild. Walking sober and sanctified at the same time is quite an experience. And so then for the next seven or eight years after that, I began to grow. I was in the ministry. There were things happening. It was great. But about eight to nine years in, I got so overly impressed with myself that I became open prey to the enemy, and he was able to uh, snare me by my good flesh, not my evil flesh of drunkenness and this and that, but my good flesh of, look how good I'm doing. I'm sober. I'm in the ministry. I'm sure this is, you know, this is exactly what I need to be doing. And I forgot that the Lord wanted me. I forgot that I was set free from myself to be set free to him and that he is my life. And I didn't realize at the time that really the bigger issues of my life, of my independence previously, was going to be dealt with as I went. So what can happen is, is that we get into a false sense of security that we really think the big stuff, like alcoholism and sexual abuse and all that, we think the big stuff has been dealt with. And it's just going to be an ever-climbing ascendancy to greatness, okay, as we go. I hope you can hear my little bit of sarcasm there. And so therefore, because of the um, deep pain still within my life and marriage at that time, um, although my husband and I were sincere believers, we were still dealing with many uh, of the same issues of trying to control each other, trying to get each other to do what we wanted each other to do. All of the trappings of staying within conditional human love, even as Christians. And so what was happening was there was this kind of perfect storm of, of current pain that was touching off previous pain. Or you could say that the frustrations in our life at that time were beginning to ignite uh, the frustrations from our life earlier, and we not realizing how explosive all of that could still be, uh, we just kept moving forward in our um, life as Christians. So there was the pain that was going on. Uh, there was... Um, the selfish ambition in my life uh, of all that I wanted to be in ministry uh, and the uh, setup of actually a very demonic um, opportunity. Uh, let me just say it this way. There was a demonic assignment 
against my life. And I'm not one of those that believes that I'm just so anointed, you know, that the enemy's trying to destroy me. All right, I don't cater to that kind of thinking, uh, but I will tell you that simply because I belong to the Lord and the Lord loved me and the Lord had plans for me, yeah, I guess there was a target on me uh, because um, the enemy likes to keep us from him. It's not because we're so anointed and we're going to be so dangerous, you know, to the kingdom of darkness. No, it's because the Lord loves us and wants us. The enemy ever tries to keep the sons from the Father. But because of this perfect storm of pain, selfish ambition, and a demonic assignment, um, I literally ended up in a pit of um, defilement, of disobedience, uh, of depravity that is still present in the life of a believer because flesh and sin are still present in the soul and body, uh, then there was just uh, devastation and disaster coming to me and through me. And of course, ultimately, because the Lord is the Redeemer of all time, He, of course, was going to redeem me out of it, uh, but um, in, in that season when his redemption came, uh, this book, Ultimate Intention, began to blow my mind. And once again, because this rhythm of reading in my life, and this was a book that one of my mentors had given me years before, and I read it years before, I thought, man, this just gives me a headache. You know, it should have come with like a Tylenol bottle attached to it, because I read it and I was like, what is this, you know? Again, because in that season, I was kind of full of me, and I didn't get it, didn't see my need for it. So what did I do? I just put it back on my shelf. But let me say to you that a few years later, when I could barely reach my bookshelf because I was laid so low, that God brought my attention to that book. And when I um, pulled it off the shelf and I opened its pages, the way that it took me into the Word of God, again, literally was saving my life because I began to read what He wanted me to read. Things that would provoke me so deeply in that season that I realized that in all of my uh, development as a believer in those early years, Though it was true and sincere and real, it wasn't everything that there was. Because I did not know that I was a son to the Father. I did not understand the depth of maturity that was going to be called for and needed and required uh, that was a part of my destiny in Him. I was ignorant of that until I began to read this particular book. The Ultimate Intention by Deverne Fromke. So can I just say to you, excuse me, I was leaning over to the bench to pick up another book. Can I just say to you, had I not had the foundational readings of The Normal Christian Life and The Green Letters, I don't even know that I would have been able to reach up to the bookshelf to pull down ultimate intention because I might have already walked off from the Lord because the deception working in that dark season uh, was so intense, so real, and its whole point was to draw me away from oneness with the Father that um, 
you know, I just, it was uh, all of that rhythm of reading of the books prior helped me to be ready to reach for that next aspect of the revelation of who the Lord is to me and who I am to Him. And because, let me tell you, and I've said it before, I'll say it again, that during that dark season, because I came so close to walking off from the Lord and leaving Him, uh, that He spoke to me so strongly. And He said, Nancy, you can leave me, but you will not leave me deceived. Meaning, He was going to open my eyes and show me truth and light at such a new level uh, that he was like, let's make, let's, if you're going to make a decision, let me tell you, when he starts talking to you as a son and he starts talking to you, let me tell you, he's the velvet hammer. You will know that you have been hit with truth at such a level, but he's going to let you and allow you to walk off if that's what you choose to do. God is not desperate. Remember, we've been talking about this previously uh, on the other podcast about destiny relationships. God is not going to, um, you know, stroke your head uh, and just try to comfort you in your deception. He is going to come and hit you with truth in a way that is a wounding that will deliver you. You know, the Bible says in Hosea 6, he wounds us to heal us. The Bible says that the wounds of a friend are faithful, and we have no greater friend than the Lord Jesus. And when he wounds you and hits you, you will forever have a limp. You will forever um, walk slowly, okay, because you will never forget the truth that he brings to you, because that hit is a hit of light, It is a hit by the Word of God. It is a hit of His presence that will never leave you. So for the last 24 years or so, uh, I have been walking in that light and want that kind of wounding and hit to come to the body of Christ in such a way that she will forever um, walk with Him and stay with Him. And so... That book, The Ultimate Intention, has been now a part of my rhythm of reading over the last many years. And the majority of what people hear from me today comes out of that season because, once again, I was not in a theological school. I was in the school of Christ. And the one who loves me and the one who came for me, the one whom I am called to, the one who is my purpose, my destiny, my life, educated me about the self, all right, and he separated me and did for me what I could never do for myself, and he did it as I read um, books that were passed down through the ages that provoke us into the Word of God. So I've mentioned thus far The Normal Christian Life by Watchman Nee, uh, The Green Letters, and The Ultimate Intention, um, by um, by Deverne Fromke. Now, let me also say that all of those books came to me through the rhythm of relationships. None of those books did I just come come upon by myself, because I was in relationship with people who were mentoring me and discipling me. Uh, and thank God they were not overly impressed with me, with my calling or any of that. They knew that they had a certain role within my life, and they made sure to stay faithful to that. 
So every one of these books that I've spoken to you about came to me through a relationship that God put in my life. And so it was with the, the last book I'm going to mention is The Messenger of the Cross by Watchman Nee. This is a book that I make certain that every person that passes through one of my internships when I am training up and reproducing mentors, once I have mentored someone, if they're interested, I like to invite them into internships. Um, and one of the first books that I encourage them to read, well, I don't encourage, I require them. <laughs> Let me speak truthfully. I require of them to read in that internship is the book, The Messenger of the Cross by Watchman Nee. Because if we are going to really pass this life on, we have to know uh, that we're called to be the message, not just preach it, not just teach it. Because one of the reasons uh, I love this book is because it really challenges us to ask ourselves the question. With so much preaching and teaching going on in the church today, I mean, there is no lack of it. Why is there so little fruit from it, though? Why is there so small a measure of production coming out of all that preaching and teaching? And part of what Watchman Nee really presses us to, to look at is the truth that so, so little of it is because it doesn't produce life in us. It's just words, it's good teaching, but you could get that through anything. But if we would have those who are the message that the sword has gone through our own hearts, then the sword could come through our mouth. And we could be those that, that live in such a way, teach in such a way, preach in such a way, encourage in such a way, disciple in such a way, that there is a cutting Within that the Holy Spirit is able to wield the sword of the Word of God in us and through us in such a way that we, we don't leave people clueless and confused or trying to be just students of the Bible, but they become literally those who have been lovingly dealt with by the Lord Himself so that when they open their mouth, the sword of the Word comes forth and they don't try to... Um, wield it in such a way as to never offend or any of that because the word is offensive to the self life it's very offensive and so we want to be those that embrace the cross and then become messengers of the cross so today I just wanted to briefly provoke you to ask yourself, what is my rhythm of reading and what are the rhythm of my relationships? Am I in relationship with things that I read that provoke me in this life? And I'm not always running off trying to get the newest, latest, fattish word within the, the church, but am I reading those things that constantly take me back to the foundation that Christ is my life? And are they forever speaking to me in every season of growth that keep me on this path of life with Him? And am I in, in excuse me, am I in a rhythm of relationships that are always provoking me? See, I've had three major mentors in my life. And I have revisited those relationships at key points in my life where I wouldn't have made it. God put those people in my life that kept me, if you will, on the narrow way. Because destiny relationships typically keep you on the narrow way that leads to a big, wide, open life with God. 
but they're there to be a voice to us in the narrow way. Because how many of you know that in the narrow way, it can feel very dry? And those voices and those relationships that release the fresh oil of God to us is sometimes the only way that the oil can help you make your way through those narrow places where nothing else is going to make it except you and the Lord. And so I want to be one who encourages you, seek out those things which will speak to you. Oh, and can I just say that one other in the rhythm of reading that I give to everybody that comes to a cross encounter, everybody that I can, uh, is the devotional book, My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. I read that maybe not every single day, but I read it most days. And it is um, something, again, that keeps me on that narrow way and leads to a big life with the Lord himself. And so I wanted to encourage you today in this rhythm of reading and the rhythm of relationships. Read those things that provoke you. Be with people who encourage you and keep you moving forward in your life with the Lord. All right, so that is it for today. This is Tent Talk. This is where we live under the big tent of his presence and where the conversations that we have will keep provoking us forward with him in this big life that he's called us to. It's important, my friends, what you read and who you're in life with during this season, during this generation of our life and how we will serve the generation that we are living in. Okay. All right. So thank you so much for being with me today. And until next time, keep letting God move you forward in life with him. All right. Love you all. Bye. If you'd like information on how to book Nancy McCready for an event or speaking engagement, visit nancymccready.com.